0: There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books. Comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now, too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough! I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Adam, this is a special episode... Because you're finally bringing something to the table for once. you brought in some news.
1: I did. Comic or comic related news I thought it would it would make you think it'd be a good topic uh, good talking point. and I think it's something that would allow you to make some predictions about real life for once. okay. So have you heard about this story that there's there's rumors going around or there's a possibility that Netflix is going to start making films for theater release?
0: All right. I mean, I, I think they've done that in a limited manner, like with the sequel to um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but uh,
1: go on. Okay. Well, this relates more specifically to comics because – Uh, it turns out that Charlie Cox from Daredevil and Kristen Ritter, who plays Jessica Jones, both of whom are on Netflix, expressed a desire to go onto the big screen, Mm -hmm. right, with the other Marvel um, characters. And the head of Marvel allegedly hasn't ruled out the idea. And in addition, Netflix recently got a production studio in New Mexico, where a lot of Marvel films have been shot. So it seems like the infrastructure is being developed that could allow Netflix to start actually making Marvel movies for the big screen, (laughs) which would be a big jump because I'm used to Netflix just producing their own stuff and just putting it up on there.
0: I love the idea, but I don't really see it happening because there are a few reasons. One... I don't I don't see why Marvel I mean Marvel wants to make their own movies. I don't think they would outsource the production of a film to Netflix because they've I think that they regret the fact that they've given the rights or sold off the rights to so many of their characters to other studios like Sony. You know, so Sony makes the, the Venom movie, uh, Fox makes you know the X Men movies Fantastic Four. So I don't think that Marvel would willingly give up you go make this movie. I also think one of the major frustrations for fans like like us, like me, has been this this division between the characters that appear on film on screen and the characters that appear in television or on Netflix. The actors like Charlie Cox, you know, they've all been saying we would love to be in the movies, but it seems like there is a big divide at Marvel where television side is kept totally separate from the film side and the film movie the movies will never reference what's going on in the TV shows the TV shows will pay lip service to what's going on in the films so in a way they're connected but not really in any meaningful any meaningful way where the plot of one drives the plot of the other it's happened before but but not for a while so i would be shocked if netflix starts producing a marvel movie mainly for the business side of it where i don't think marvel would want them to do that And second, I think eventually maybe we'll see some more connective tissue between the TV side and the movie side, but I think we're a ways off from that. I have a news story that is not exactly comic book related, but this show is called Gil Reads Comics. It's not called Gil Only Reads Comics. And this is such big news, and I think any comic fan will care about this, so I wanted to bring it up. I mentioned uh, Adi Shankar. He's the producer, the guy who made Castlevania. Great show, the best video game adaptation of all time, in my opinion. He announced that he is working with an iconic Japanese gaming company to adapt one of their iconic video game series into a series. And he's going to announce what that is. Game is November 16th at 1 p.m. Ooh. Any guess at what that might be? I want to say Final Fantasy. No. Well, we don't know. We have no idea, but... Mario. No, not Mario. Well, I mean, I, I guess I keep shutting it down. We don't actually know for sure what it's going to be, but the rumor... Are you ready for this? Wait, wait,
1: wait. Is it something I could potentially guess? Yeah, let me give you a hint. Okay. Castlevania
0: is done in the style of anime. Very similar style. What other game series from Nintendo could you think of would be a good fit for that style? Zelda. Yes. That's the
1: rumor. And if that's true, how cool would that be? That would be awesome. Like a well-made Zelda series? Yeah, because Zelda
0: has something that a lot of other video games don't. You know, One of the pitfalls of adapting a video game for the big screen is that the draw of a video game is the interactive aspect of it. Zelda is one of those games where you can take that away, and it still has such a great aesthetic, which is all its own, and it has a deep, rich, interesting mythology, all of that would be ripe for a movie or a TV show. And who better to do it than Adi Shankar, the one guy who's been able to make a good video game series you know, on television, in this case on Netflix. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think it would be great. There, There were rumors a few years ago, actually, in 2015, that Netflix was adapting Zelda to be what they described as Game of Thrones for kids. <laughs> but it's unclear if that was ever a real thing or if it was purely rumor i can't um, think of a weirder pitch <laughs> I know. you know, not i mean game of thrones for kids is just a fantasy show like you don't need to a game of thrones is a fa- is fantasy for adults yeah so you can just say it's fantasy you don't have to say it's fantasy for adults but for kids yeah <laughs> uh, and, and net um nintendo has been hesitant to to adapt any of their stuff to to movies because they've been gun shy since the early '90s when they since made Mario. That, since Mario, when for some reason they decided to they decided to turn Mario into this dark dystopian movie, very bizarre movie. But they've been getting back into the game. In fact, they are working with Illumination, the studio that made Despicable Me, to produce an animated Mario movie. Hmm. Also a good idea in my opinion. Yeah. So they're taking steps in this direction. So it wouldn't be shocking if it turns out that the game series he's adapting
1: is Zelda. I mean, Nintendo has such a rich cast of characters that they could... You know what Super Smash Bros. did for video games? They could do that for the big screen. And in a similar way that Marvel has done it. I've been saying that for years. You do a
0: Mario movie. Zelda movie, Metroid movie, and then you do an Avengers like movie, Super Smash Bros. or Mario Party.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Mario Party movie actually could be kind of cool. Yeah, it could be just a good
0: time at the theater, like the movie Clue, yeah. another board game movie. Yeah, I like this idea. Yeah,
1: Nintendo, if you're we listening. Know- yeah, we know you're listening. Yeah, get on
0: it. Just could you make that? And give us, you know, 2%. 5%. Maybe 6%. Adam, we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man issue 4 today. But before we get into that, you had some homework. A few episodes ago, we stumbled upon this character, Nora Winters, who was apparently in cahoots some time ago with the Hobgoblin. She was getting exclusives on his criminal activity, you know, to make money. And you were to research Nora Winters and kind of give your judgment on whether or not she should be in jail.
1: Was justice properly served here? And what did you find? So I walked away from her story more confused than when I started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every every resource I looked at, everything I read, it's just. There's too much going on. There are too many people to keep track of, too many secret identities. Uh so let me just give my my summation here, all right? And then you just tell me what the answer is. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it looks like she she dated Rand Robertson, right? And Randy. Randy, Rand. Does he does he just go by Randy? I believe he goes by Randy. Okay, well then this uh wiki article I'm looking at is a, has a little error. Um, and I couldn't tell if he was a bad guy, but it sounded like he was at least kind of a hothead. Okay. But that's sort of not as relevant. Then, um, then she started dating Phil Urich.
0: And, ben Urich's nephew, I believe. And who's
1: Ben Urich again?
0: He uh,
1: works for the Daily Bugle, well-renowned uh, journalist. Okay. So it turns out that Phil is the hobgoblin, like you said. But everything I'm reading says that once, so I'm not finding it written anywhere that she was dating him while knowing he was the hobgoblin. Hmm. And then it turns out that once his identity was was somehow exposed, he takes Nora hostage, <laughs> and and so. I just, I don't know to what extent she was in cahoots with him versus uh, was misled by him.
0: Hmm. So, well, I'll say this. we, You and I, we took a stance the first time we came across this and said, she should not be walking in the streets. She should be in jail. And now it seems the story might be a little murkier than we thought. And maybe, maybe she deserves some forgiveness. Or or maybe she didn't even do anything wrong at all.
1: Possibly. It it all hinges on whether or not she knew Phil was the Hobgoblin while they were dating. While they were dating voluntarily. Right. Um, Because if she just didn't know, then I can't really blame her. Right. But if if they were dating and she knew that he was a villain and he was doing bad things and she was doing nothing to stop him, then she can't just she can't just mosey around society, and that appears to be the current
0: continuity so Adam sometimes what'll happen with comic books is that continuity will get very murky to the point where it's like a Schrodinger's cat situation. Because you have all these different stories that were told over the last few decades. And then writers of the current run are kind of left to pick and choose what of all this actually happened. How do we make sense of this timeline? And they'll have a character reference something in a very certain term, in very certain terms. And that kind of coalesces it and says, all right, it's a murky continuity. But based off the fact that Peter Parker just made reference to Nora knowingly working with the Hobgoblin, that's what we should take as truth right now. So mm-hmm. that might be what's happening here. with sort of a murky continuity, and right now they want to paint Nora
1: as this kind of gray area, not really by the book uh, person. Well, then that's the interpretation I'll go with, and I'll say that she she shouldn't be just walking free, going bowling. Yeah. By the well, way... Hopefully- Relevant to the comics, so they they all went bowling, right? Yeah, she used to be in a bowling league. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, I guess it was that was mentioned in one of the Amazing Spider-Man issues. Yeah, I think when they were bowling. Okay, so it so mentioned. it came
0: up. It came up while they were bowling. I think so because when you said that. Part of me sort of remembered, yeah, I knew she was a good bowler. Mm. And how
1: would I have known that? Well, you know, since they since it? you just kind of you just relay to me the important bits of each issue, you may have glossed over that. You also right. may have mentioned it and I may have not necessarily paid the most attention at that point.
0: Yeah. Every once in a while while I'm talking, I just see you you look sort of semi conscious, just staring off to the side. Might have been one of those situations. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly like that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, if only we were posting the video of this one so people could have seen just the drool. expression just now. The drool just puddling around my desk. Okay, well with that resolved kind of, we can all stop losing sleep over it. Let's dive in to Amazing Spider Man issue four. Adam. We left off on another
1: cliffhanger back in issue three. Remember that? Yeah. Uh. Wow. That was a while ago. Yeah. That's when the the Spider Man, uh, that was produced by the Isotope Genome Accelerator, is, uh, basically riding on top of a Tri-Sentinel, and it seems like he's controlling him like a marionette. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. Or, or like that you Ratatouille. Uh,
0: or like the guy, uh, uh in um Doctor Strangelove. You know, he rides the atomic bomb waving his hat around. Yeah, it does remind me of that. There was another cliffhanger. Remember at the beginning of the issue, we had the scene of the, the guy, that the, the rich guy, who went to Africa to shoot an elephant? And then right. the local who's showing him around
1: got a knife in his chest? Yeah. Well, we revisit that at the beginning mm. of this issue. And you speculated that this was something to do with Craven? Yeah, that's right. Okay.
0: Wow. I You know, it's like making me feel good to hear you use all these. You said tri sentinel, you said isotope genome accelerator. This is impressive.
1: I have a, a stack of flashcards with these terms and I'm just studying yeah. them. <laughs> I got it on press guilt tomorrow. Yeah.
0: Uh, we revisit that guy who shot the elephant, and uh, the local got a knife in his chest. So this guy runs away and he falls down. Moving on from that the one with the knife? We cut to No, that guy's dead. Okay. The other guy, I see. Yeah. He falls down. We cut to Mendel Strom. Is that two supervillain? Two names or one? That's well, that's two names. That's his first name is Mendel, and his last name is Strom. S T R O M M. Okay. You probably know him
1: as Norman Osborn's old college professor. Right? (laughs) Uh, Just to to remind me, Norman Osborn is the elder Osborn, correct? Yes. Okay. And no, I don't know him as that.
0: (laughs) Well, he was Norman Osborn's old college professor, and he eventually became a part of Oscorp, where he did the early research which created the Goblin Serum which famously turned Norman Osborn into the
1: Green Goblin. Mm. Okay, so I've actually seen this man depicted on film. I don't think Mendel Strom was in Spider-Man. They probably
0: um, just had generic scientists invent it. Okay. He uh, had a falling out with Norman Osborn. I believe he was embezzling funds from Oscorp, and then he started using robots to fight people (laughs) uh, as a villain. And he died from a heart attack, but transferred his brain waves into a robot. And now over the years, it's kind of become a running joke where he'll die and come back as a robot or a cyborg, and he keeps reappearing in all these different forms. He's also sort of a B-list villain. He doesn't really get a lot of respect, and that's kind of a running joke in this issue as well. Hmm. He's like the Rodney Dangerfield of villains. It's exactly like that. Well, it turns out he's the one behind the current Tri-Sentinel attack. Hmm. Where did he get that Tri-Sentinel? It's from the Life Foundation. You would like this. The Life Foundation is basically a group that's kind of like the Illuminati, but you, you pay money to be part of it. Like It costs about $5 million, I think. And they essentially are preparing for Doomsday, which in the Marvel Universe is a real possibility. Right, Any yeah. day now, that whole thing is going to blow.
1: Well, you know what? The, even in real life, there are groups of of wealthy people who are into survivalism who who like have these i I think there's one company that's created this massive underground bunker somewhere in, in like california for the rich and famous um just in case and like people can pay to have a slot reserved there do they have weapons in case because what if doomsday is caused by some sort of
0: attack so you don't need just a bunch of cans of beans and, and food. Mm-hmm. You also need some offensive weaponry. I would hope so. Well, the Life Foundation definitely does. They have a Tri-Sentinel. And they went bankrupt years ago, so they abandoned everything. And Mendel Strom came in, he, he's he's uh hanging out in their bunker and he got the tri sentinel. So did he come in as a as a robot? So right now he's in sort of a cyborg form where he has a human face, but behind it is a bunch of robotics. Uh, So he's mostly metal. Okay. Just some human biology in his face, I think. Mm. It's the nose. The nose is the one real part of him. His nose is pretty much... Yeah, I would say his nose right now is
1: 25% of his entire being. (laughs) When I was in middle school... On the first day of biology class, it was our first time ever learning biology in school, uh, the teacher was conducting like a lesson to teach us what, the, what life is, like how we scientists define life. And so he had each student come up to the board, uh, to the whiteboard, and write down one thing they thought was necessary in order to declare something living. So some people wrote what you would expect, like it needs to breathe or it reproduces. One student wrote has a chin. <laughs> Which I never forgot that.
0: <laughs> oh man. So kids that kid's either brilliant or uh he he probably he probably wasn't paying attention and he thought the teacher just said list out body parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I uh, whether or not I mean this is going philosophical, but whether or not Mendelstrom is living depends on how the, to what extent his chin is organic and he does not have a chin actually
0: oh, it's there chin you go. Is, it's, funny enough if you look at his face his chin is pretty much the only part of it which is robotic there you go these writers know yeah it, this could be written was that kid's name Nick no <laughs> and was he like 8 years older than you <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised then yes, it could be Nick Spencer who wrote this Hmm. Uh how did he find out about this
1: bunker? Reddit. Really? Yeah. Wait, in the, in the comic. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because he at one point he's getting annoyed and he's like, "That's what the subreddit said?"
1: <laughs> I think you have your next uh post to the comic book subreddit. You just screen cap that. Oh yeah. That that's one thing that Nick Spencer, I would say is
0: nailing more than anything, is the humor. I laugh more at this comic than I do pretty much any other comic I read. Well, we cut from that to Spider-Man riding the Tri-Sentinel around the city, stopping crimes. How do you think that's all going? It's probably chaotic. Yes, he destroys his dog park <laughs> and the wing of a museum. Hmm. Uh, and the Tri-Sentinel, he spray-painted its face so it looks like the face of Spider-Man. I can picture that. Um while this is going on, Peter is looking pretty glum. And he's at Aunt Aunt May's house. And she wonders, you know, what's going on. Um he can't tell her the truth, obviously. And he starts he starts monologuing. He says that he feels powerless. Right? He says Lately, I can't really stop trying to take responsibility for anything and everything around me. It's like I see something wrong and I have to do something, uh, even if I have no idea what I'm doing. Even if he has no power, he still has great He's responsibility. St- exactly, and you see him uh, helping an old man across the street. You see him feeding the meter. You know when someone's about to run out of uh, time mm-hmm. at the parking uh, at a parking spot. He puts money in. So he's still a hero. Exactly. He can't give up that responsibility. And by the way, he gets arrested for that because it's illegal to feed the meter. Mm. He got arrested? Yeah. <laughs> now, should that be illegal? If you see that at someone else's parking spot, they're about to expire, you put money in. Should that be against the law?
1: Um, No. But the fact that it is against the law just goes to show you... Uh, they just want they just want to give out tickets and collect fines. In fact, I was reading about uh a, a guy in New York just earlier today. I read an article about this man who has been fighting all these red light cameras. Uh, somewhere in New York State, mm-hmm. and they actually took one of the red lights and shortened the the length of the yellow in order to trap more people with right. the camera. And that's actually led to like some accidents, and I think even some deaths, because people expect a certain length of the yellow, and when they make it shorter than all the rest, just to trap people on the camera, uh, it screws up with their driving behavior. But so he's he's a hero. He's been going around, um, taking this like long pole, and just pressing it into the camera and just pointing it away from the road, so so that it can't <laughs> it can't um, catch people anymore. <laughs> and he's been like destroying them and uh now he's running for political office on like to try to get rid of these <laughs> wow hopefully somebody writes a comic about him
0: so we can talk about him on this show yeah yeah <laughs> uh so it seems like Peter's sense of responsibility has sort of been amplified right or or at least it's the same level as it was before but because he no longer has that power it's now geared more towards these little good deeds than it is towards stopping giant robots and villains and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it's 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 either been amplified or I think the the side of him that also kind of was more fun and relaxed is gone, and so it unmasked more of the sense of responsibility that he had. Unmasked, uh, literally, yeah.
0: And the the way you just said sense of fun could not be more spot on because while he's wallowing in self-pity about being powerless, Spider-Man's having a grand old time. You see him courtside at a basketball game taking selfies with the basketball players. You see him on some talk
1: shows. He starts wearing stickers, advertisements. (laughs) Like like a NASCAR driver. (laughs) See, this is what I would do if I were Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, I I have no doubt about that. Uh, But what what (laughs) happened... because you're not you're not very heroic. No, but I do like money. Money. Well, you, and and you are heroic as long as being heroic means sticking it to the man, like bending
1: red light cameras. Yeah, exactly. I get a special sense of of something right from that. I'm chaotic. Exactly. You know, you know those like charts where they show like like neutral good or like chaotic good or like Ordered evil and like that, that kind of thing, right? You're chaotic, good, yeah. That's how I, I see myself sometimes.
0: <laughs> learning it, see, this is, this is not just about by reading Spider Man, we're learning about ourselves, exactly. And what's going to happen to that money if and when Peter Parker and Spider Man recombine. This could be another one of these Doc Ock situations where Peter Parker benefits from the deeds of someone else and he can feel guilty about it.
1: Yeah, but in, in this case, I don't think it's fair to say it's someone else.
0: That's true. It literally of his being. is him.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aunt May knows
0: that Peter's kind of fallen on hard times, so she gives him a birthday card with money in it, even though it's not his birthday. <laughs> and she says, don't worry about the money. I've been playing online poker. <laughs> 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 wow. <laughs> I guess she's good at it. See, I like that because she, there's layers to her character. You would it, it Never did you think there was going to be a storyline about Aunt May getting into online poker. Uh, and I don't know if it'll turn into more of a story than that one throwaway line. And, and maybe she's just joking. But I hope not.
1: I I feel like Aunt May, I'm not, I've only really seen her in the Sam Raimi movies, but she definitely seems very different in this iteration. Yeah, her characterization
0: changes significantly depending on who's telling it. Even in the movies, you had the Aunt May from you know the one you're talking about, where she's very typical old lady. And then in the newer movies, she's Marissa Tomei.
1: Oh, yeah. True, yeah, and that's also very different. Very different.
0: She even said the F word in the first Spider-Man movie. Whoa. Yeah. I wonder if she'll do that in the comic. Doubtful. But what Aunt May, I really want to get your take on this because this is the second time I read a scene with Aunt May where I got really angry at her. Remember the first time? where uh, she got real disappointed in Peter Parker because she heard this story about how Peter, uh, what, what's the word? He stole someone else's work, plagiarized. Plagiarized. From Dr. Octopus, even though you and I both know he didn't really do that. And she didn't take Peter side. She said, I'm very disappointed in you. And she invoked Uncle Ben. That was where we got really
1: angry. She said, I thought that Uncle Ben and I raised you better. You know? Yeah, that was the part that, made me actually think that she wasn't a very good person. Exactly. But I'll leave it to you to
0: answer the question. In this scene, does she redeem herself? Because she says to Peter now, I know I was very hard on you the last time you were here, but if I seem disappointed in you, it's because I expect so much from you. You've always had so much potential, but every time you start to live up to it, then Peter cuts in, And make a massive disaster out of it. And then she says, sometimes. More times, though, you stop whatever you're doing to help others, whether it's a perfect stranger, me, or someone else you love. The point being, my nephew has been putting everyone else in front of himself since he was a boy. Maybe it's time he looked out for himself for a change.
1: Hmm. I, I, I don't know if she redeems herself with this but it is good that she's telling it to him. The problem I see is I don't actually understand how this relates to her criticism of him before because before she was just saying he, he you uh, you plagiarized and I thought we raised you better than this and now she's saying, you know, it turns out actually what I was upset about is I have such high expectations for you and it bothers me to see you cutting uh, selling yourself short by helping others all the time. Like, well... Either the each point is valid independently, but I don't see how one relates to the other. What I
0: wrote down in my notes here is Aunt May is rewriting history. I think she yeah. feels guilty about what she said, so she's twisting it to
1: something better. Yeah, I I agree with that. And then she's trying to pay him off. Yeah. So ultimately, whether or not she redeems herself here just comes down to how much money was in that fake birthday card. <laughs> It's like a nickel slides out. <laughs> go go see a Star Wars. <laughs>
0: uh one wrinkle, by the way that I didn't mention, this is my bad. In the when we first read that scene of Aunt May being disappointed in Peter Parker, one piece of history that I forgot is that Aunt May used to date Dr. Octavius. Really? So, there might have been some personal... Mm. uh, That might have been an element of why she took it so
1: personally. She is kind of... She feels maybe a little... A need to defend Doc Ock. Exactly. Well, you know, that just makes me think even less of her. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, uh, you know, we're glad that she's maybe singing a better tune now. But I think we both feel... That she's rewriting history a little bit here. Peter's letting her off the hook. Probably the right thing to do. I, I don't think it would be good for him to call her out on it. But Aunt May, we've got her eye on you. I don't want to see any more of this shenanigans. <laughs> You're on thin ice. Peter wants to talk to Spider-Man. Uh, if you remember the uh, last issue, he went to the lab and found out that by splitting their boats, they, they, they split their morality, right? They split some of their, their characteristics. Peter is responsibility. Spider Man is power. So he got he's got to talk to Spidey. How's he gonna get a hold of him though? Easy. He pulls up the app, Uber Hero, which is an Uber like app. <laughs> except what you do is you ride around
1: on Spider Man's back. And is this, this is a new, this is something that the new Spider Man, uh, split version created. That's the implication. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um,
0: but he, he doesn't want to pick up Peter Parker. He says you couldn't even afford it. Um, <laughs> But Parker, he webs onto Spidey's foot as he swings away. And so he's holding on to Spider-Man as Spider-Man is swinging through the city. Uh, Wait
1: okay, so he still has the web shooter. I was going to ask you, how is Peter able to do that if he doesn't have powers? Uh, you were testing to see if I knew that there's a web shooter.
0: Exactly. It's a mechanical web shooter that he built, so he can still shoot webs. But he's swinging around the city, which is not very safe, considering he doesn't have his superhuman abilities right now. Spider-Man looks back at Pete and is not happy. He's like, oh, dude, what are you doing? And Peter says, I told you, I need to talk to you. There's a problem. And then Spider-Man says, wow, you have a
1: problem in your life? I never would have guessed that. (laughs) You know, uh, I really like this new Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> well, and event, So eventually they stop and, and Spider-Man uh, hears out Peter. And Peter explains to Spider-Man that you've lost your sense of responsibility and you're wreaking all sorts of havoc. It's a really interesting scene to read because we know that this Spider-Man is a smart guy. He was able to turn that Tri-Sentinel into a puppet. But he just literally does not have a sense of responsibility. So Peter
1: trying to appeal to that, no no matter how smart he is, no matter how reasonable he's being, it won't work. Right. He needs to somehow frame it in a way that will appeal to this new Spider-Man's personality. Like say, look how much more you'll be able to accomplish if you operate in a way others would consider responsible. Right. Right. Now, losing your sense of responsibility
0: is that the same thing as losing your morality or is responsibility one element which you can isolate among the
1: spectrum of what makes up your morality as a human i think it's a big component but i i don't think it's equivalent right like everyone has a sense of right and wrong Whether or not they're a responsible person kind of determines how much the notion of responsibility plays into it. So I bet you even this um, new Spider-Man has the capacity to feel like someone wronged him or he has the capacity to judge other people, which would imply he has a sense of what's right and what's wrong. It's just a sense that doesn't really pay much respect to responsibility. He definitely has some idea, right? Because he is choosing
0: to stop the Tri-Sentinel. And he's not. And once he has the Tri-Sentinel, he's still stopping crimes. He's just doing it in a very irresponsible way. Right. Spider-Man, this next part is is absolute genius. Spider-Man goes on about how none of this is my problem. And then Peter says, not my, you realize what you're saying. Remember the last time we sounded like that? It was the night Uncle Ben died. Mm. What do you think Spider-Man says to that? Not my problem. No, he says, sorry, who? Whoa.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that was like a mic drop moment. So the memories have split too, which could actually explain why the morality is different. Right. Doesn't that make sense? You are the summation
0: of your experiences. So if you're going to remove a quality from somebody, that would have to come from removing some of their memories, right? Your memories right.
1: shape you. Right. Like your, your memories and your experiences are your programming and your behavior is just the output. So if the output, all we've been noticing is that the output is different. The thing that was removed is any sense of those past experiences, those like formative events. Yeah. Cool. So if you're going to take
0: away his responsibility, you take away the moment that taught him responsibility. That's very good writing. I like that. So what Peter needs to do is hire someone
1: <laughs> to pretend to be Uncle Ben yeah. and then get shot. <laughs> well, first he needs someone to... He first needs to get Spider-Man to really bond with that guy. <laughs> right. He's got to kill the tri
0: and then I'd be like, no, the Tri-Sentinel will be his Uncle Ben.
1: My best friend. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> that might just make him evil.
0: Yeah, it's true. The world didn't deserve my Tri-Sentinel. He would be like Dracula in Castlevania, which I know you haven't watched that, but for any listeners, you'll get that reference. Is
1: that is that live action or animated? Animated.
0: And I should watch it, right? It's really good. We'll talk about it. Um,
1: in the news section.
0: Okay, cool. Or depending on the order we edit this, we have already talked about it in the news <laughs> section. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that was fascinating.
0: Um, so Spider Man webs up Peter Parker, swings away. He doesn't want to hear any more of this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he doesn't want to know about the what who Uncle Ben was. No, he doesn't care. Hmm. And while Peter is stuck there. So it
0: takes an hour for webbing to wear off, and he's sort of realizing, wow, this this sucks. I don't realize how annoying this was. So that's
1: what that feels like.
0: Yes, it's another one of those moments. And he's thinking to himself, what what should I do to pass the time? And one of the things he considers is catching up on podcasts. (laughs) I feel like one of us wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Um, Eventually, when it wears off, Peter goes to see Doc Connors. And he can't tell him what's going on, but maybe he can get something. But when he walks into the lab, it's like a mausoleum. Mm-hmm. Everything is so dark. One girl is holding a candle, like it's a candle lit vigil. vigil. You have a guess at what's going on here?
1: Hmm. Uh He didn't die, did he?
0: No. But you're close. Someone
1: died. Or something. Some maybe something with the genome isotope genome accelerator went wrong.
0: Well, remember how Spider-Man learned that the characteristics were split between him and Spider-Man.
1: Oh, he did he test it on like a rat? Yeah, the mice died. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's isn't that just part of science?
0: Well, th- this is an ethical lab. They don't want to kill any animals, uh, but you they know can there zap is zap
1: them. I saw a sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I saw a, a picture online of a, a statue at some kind of research institution and it was a it was it's a seri- it's not meant to be a joke. It's like a big um mouse in a lab coat with like glasses on and it's sort of a memorial for all of the mice that have perished in scientific research. Kind of in gratitude. Wow. Yeah.
0: But they're going to keep killing them. No,
1: they're going to keep doing it, but they'll build them a statue. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it turns out, Dr. Connors explains, the mice were having separation symptoms that got worse and worse. Memory loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, cognitive abilities were worse. They lost
1: spatial awareness. And eventually, it just died. So the, I feel like they're setting up for uh, Kurt Connors to potentially help with this little predicament. Maybe. At a minimum, they're setting up that if
0: Parker and Spidey don't recombine, they'll die. Oh. It's like Flowers for Algernon, where the main character was given the (laughs) same... Well, in that book, the main character was given some drug that makes you smart, Mm. and he was um, mentally handicapped, and a mouse was given the same drug, and I think the mouse died eventually, so they were like, we got to get you off this drug. Oh. That sucks. Except in this example,
1: it's about the isotope genome accelerator. Okay, well so this this isn't this a good way to persuade the other Spider Man to recombine and just say, like, look, dude, uh, we're gonna die if we don't recombine.
0: Well, let's let's see if that argument works. In uh the next issue. No. Well, there's a little tidbit before the issue ends. Okay. We're back with Mendel Strom. Oh, yeah. He's going crazy because his trisentinal got taken by (laughs) Spider-Man. He's monologuing to himself a whole bunch, and then he starts crying. (laughs) And he says, it's all just so pointless. I'm destined to be a footnote, the guy who got ripped off by Norman Osborn twice. (laughs) And then a mysterious voice comes in. Now, now, Mendel. You shouldn't be so hard on yourself. The voice tells him he's there to help, and he has gifts. Hmm. Uh, when, when Mendel tells him to show himself, he says, It's not possible at the moment. And then uh, what do you think those gifts are? Some more robotics. Uh. it's Four of them, at least.
1: Hmm. Who is this mysterious stranger? We don't know. Who could this be? Okay, I have a few I have a few theories. It could somehow relate to the stuff going on in Africa, but I think that's mm-hmm. less likely due to the geography. It could be... So just based on the voice you used, which means nothing in, in this context, um, it could be Kirk Connors in lizard form, which I also think is not true. Or... It could be another aspect of himself. So it sounds like his identity has been kind of like bouncing from one uh, thing to another, sort of like Voldemort. And so what if this is another side of him kind of gifting himself something? And maybe he had at some point gone through a similar isotope genome accelerator process. Hmm. I think all the, by the way, I think all those guesses are wrong. They're definitely wrong. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, my first thought was that it was Norman Osborn. Oh, I, that did flash through my mind, too, as a possibility. Because of Spider-Man, the movie, right? When Norman became Green Goblin, he would hear a Green Goblin voice in his head talking to him. Yeah. But that's also wrong. Oh. Well, actually, we don't know for sure. So the next issue, which we'll get into right now, yes. we learn a little bit more about this villain.
1: Can, okay, before we do that, can I can I ask you a question? Like a yeah. a question about you. All right. If you went through the isotope genome accelerator, which two things would come out? Whoa. Um,
0: it would be, well, I'm a pretty smart guy. So one half would be the smart guy. <laughs> and one half would be, the, probably the more creative side, right? That knows about comics and movies and stuff. So instead of one side wreaking havoc, one side would be super productive, like inventing formulas and hmm. science. And the other half would just be watching movies all day. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it'd be better if you went
1: through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, except that then we would both die after like a week. True. But so you, you what you're saying is you would end up with, with one gill that just sits there and consumes comics and movies and TV shows all day, but never analyzes them or reflects on them through yeah. through podcast. And then the oh, other that's side sad thing would be yeah. off inventing a cure for cancer.
0: No, I, I'm I'm changing my answer. There'd be the podcasting side of me and the content consumption side. So it's like I'm taking in all this content, but I can't podcast about it. Or I can podcast, but have nothing to podcast about. That would be a sad sight indeed. Let's get into issue four of Amazing Spider-Man. Adam, this whole time, you've probably been thinking, there's somebody that Peter should talk to about all this. Who is that? MJ. Yeah. So he
1: does exactly that. And How do you think she reacts to all this? I bet she just kind of makes jokes and vaguely insulting remarks. Not even that. She's just totally good with all of it. She says,
0: um, you know, I thought that what I wanted is Peter Parker all to myself, but it turns out that I fell in love with a hero. And, And specifically, word for word, she says, that burden he carries around is why I kept pushing him away. But now I'm starting to realize it's also why I kept coming back to him.
1: And then they kiss. Um. So she's saying that I don't love you if you're not Spider-Man. Exactly. Mm. I feel like that's pretty obvious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and but also, doesn't it feel like she's kind of letting him off the hook for keeping this secret from her?
1: In the sense that it you know yeah if you told me what had happened then you would have lost me so so i understand why you kept a secret
0: well she doesn't know just uh i feel like she should be upset with him for not mentioning oh by the way i split in two a couple of days ago and the reason why i'm not fighting crime is because i was split uh kind of cloned <laughs> he didn't mention any of that to her yeah
1: yeah i think he should have said that it's, what's odd to me is, first, she's not upset that she was kind of lied to by omission, and she's not worried that he's in peril, he might die. I, yeah, I don't know if he mentioned that to her. Mm, I mean, he doesn't want
0: to worry her. Right. Her main main message to him is, yeah, you should go recombine with Spider-Man.
1: Or else I don't find you attractive. Right. Hmm. I
0: I think that maybe there's a sort of honeymoon phase happening right now where they just got back together. I think when you really love someone like this, especially when you're in your your head-over-heels phase, you're a lot more forgiving. I I wonder if
1: uh, we'll start to see the cracks in their relationship soon. I could see it. All the more reason for Peter to work really hard on recombining with Spider-Man. What I don't understand is, or what I wonder is, whether or not Spider-Man also loves Mary Jane, or if he's forgotten about her. Oh, yeah. Because she could be kind of a good catalyst for getting everyone together. It's like in the Hulk,
0: when he's destroying the city and going crazy, uh, the uh, Black Widow, and what's her name, Scarlett Johansson, has to calm him down. Like the, the, right. the sun is setting it's getting dark now calm down <laughs> and then and he becomes human again yeah well after MJ kisses Peter he has some inner monologue where he says yeah that feels like a good note to end on and then cut to Parker lying in some rubble looking really beat up his shirt's all ripped up he's bleeding everywhere Half his face, his shoulder, his arm, third degree burns. Oof.
1: Which one is that? Third degree? That's where it like goes into your muscle. Yeah.
0: He's got that. And it's brutal. The um I've mentioned before that Ryan Otley, the artist for this, he drew a comic called Invincible, which was a superhero comic drawn in a sort of cartoony, sort of realistic manner. And because of the cartoony half of that, when it got bloody, he, he didn't hold back, and it looked really bizarre. It'd be super gory, but through the lens of this not quite realistic-looking uh, drawing. Mm-hmm. And he is putting that same muscle to work here, and uh, it doesn't look good for Peter. So when he says this is a good note to end on, he's talking about dying. How'd he get here? Uh, Cuts to earlier. He realizes he needs to get a hold of that isotope genome accelerator and see if he can reverse the split. But the genome accelerator is under lock and key, and he can't tell Doc Connors what's going on, so he needs to steal it.
1: Wait. Clarification. Yeah. Peter Parker is lying there all screwed up? Yeah, not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. Okay, and so it's Peter Parker who was... Earlier, trying to get a hold of the uh, genome accelerator. Right. Got it.
0: He needs to steal it. So I know what you're thinking. He's going to call up his friend, Felicia. Yeah. You know who that is? No. (laughs) That is Catwoman. No, sorry. The Black Cat. And she is a thief, a cat burglar. Um, Sometimes a love interest for Spider-Man. Sometimes a villain. So it's Catwoman. <laughs> Basically. I, I don't want to get in trouble. I think people get mad when you say that Black Cat is a copy of Catwoman. Um, let's say inspired by or coincidental. I'm not sure. They're very similar either way. Um, But they had a romantic past, so it could get complicated. Peter decides not to call Felicia. Probably was. So I know what else you're thinking. Who does he know? What villainous person does Peter know that might be able to help with this? His roommate. Yes. My prediction was sort of right. Remember, one of my thoughts was that Peter might drop a hint or two about Spider-Man so another villain could go stop him? This isn't exactly that, but he does drop some hints about the accelerator. He talks to his roommate, Randy, and essentially says things like, uh yeah, I heard about this uh genome accelerator. It's worth a lot of money, you know? It's uh be a shame if somebody were to break into Dr. Connor's lab at this university and steal it. And then Fred pops in, he's like, What was that? I
1: you I know no, no reason. Just uh was curious. <laughs> he why why can't Peter Oh Peter can't tell Kirk Connors because Kirk Connors doesn't know he's Spider Man. Right. Okay.
0: So, Fred suits up his boomerang. He goes to steal the accelerator. He throws it in his truck. And before he knows it, Peter has jumped into the pe- the driver's seat and he drives away with the isotope genome that's, accelerator. That's
1: funny. <laughs> He's like, I didn't know I had a getaway driver. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, uh, so Pete's hanging out on a roof
0: with the accelerator and he sees Spider-Man. Laying down in a hammock made out of uh, spiderwebs. Just hanging out, just very chill. And Peter tries to get his attention, but Spider-Man says, Sorry, guess I was a little distracted. And Peter says, "Uh, By what? And then Spider-Man points up above Pete's head and says, Oh, nothing, just a giant robot army. (laughs) And there's 10 tri-sentinels flying overhead about to attack the city.
1: Hmm. Oh, and he doesn't feel any sense of responsibility.
0: Nope. Uh, and the, the, uh, if you look at the image of Spider-Man hanging out in the hammock, it'll, it'll give you a chuckle. It's hilarious. Uh, meanwhile, Mendelstrom is having the time of his life. He is so happy that he has his robot army attacking the city, but while he's uh, wallowing, well, that's not the right word, while he's basking, In this happiness, that mysterious voice is given form, and we see the villain. He's this weird-looking guy. He's covered in dark bandages. It doesn't look like he has any eyes. He's got a yellow trench coat on. The mummy. You know what's that? I said the mummy. Yeah, actually, it looks like the mummy with a trench coat. And he's got, you know Doc Ock has those uh, tentacles coming from his back? He kind of looks like he has that, except the tentacles are gross. They look like centipedes, like little legs. And the tip of them looks like the mouth of an insect. Yuck. Remember how I was telling you about the guy in the jungle, and I mentioned how every issue had a scene of that, and I just didn't mention him? Mm-hmm. Well, I did that again. <laughs> the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man, if you kept reading, it had a sort of after credit sequence. You know how Marvel movies do that a lot? Mm-hmm. After the movie ends, they there'll be get another Shwarma. little tidbit. So, yeah, where they talked about shawarma in uh, The Avengers. In Amazing Spider-Man issue one, if you kept reading, there was a tidbit at the end where you see the origin story of Mysterio. And it, it gets to the point where Mysterio is on trial for some previous crime he committed. Uh, suddenly, the trial's interrupted when his lawyer vomits a bunch of bugs.
1: Yeah.
0: And one guy blows up from vermin ripping him up from the inside. This this is so appetizing. Yeah, it was just it's it's one of those scenes that's kind of hard to look at. The whole place gets overrun by bugs. Everyone everyone gets killed in the courtroom. And uh, then this guy shows up, and it turns out that he can control bugs and vermin.
1: Ugh. That's probably the worst superpower. Yeah,
0: he is. Well, and we'll see. That might not be exactly what we think in a moment because he's mad at Mysterio for essentially failing at fighting Spider Man, and Mysterio says, "I've been wearing him down slowly. I know his secrets." And in this, you know, yeah, exactly. This villain says, "His secrets. His secrets are of no use to me." I know Pete better than he knows himself. What I want is some groundwork established, and no one knows how to set the stage quite like you. And before leaving, this mysterious villain says, Remember, I walked you out of hell once, Quentin. It won't be hard for me to drag you back down there with me. Quentin is Mysterio. Did they literally go to hell? Well, back in 1999, in issue 7 of Daredevil, you probably remember Mysterio committed suicide. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess this is the guy
1: who brought him back, apparently. And this is the insect guy? Yeah. By the way, I think your insect voice should have a little more of like, I brought you back from hell. Like more of the sounds of like crawling bugs, like flying out, like bugs just spitting out of his mouth as he talks. I agree with you but that's so gross. I would I wouldn't I I don't <laughs> and, want that. And on the every show. once in a while he's just sitting there all of a sudden you just hear him chewing and it's like <laughs> he just he just starts chewing on some bugs that are oh, inside Oh, it's like, him like that already. cockroach guy from Men in Black. Oh. That's sort of what I've been picturing. Yeah, I
0: I that that I couldn't rewatch that movie because of that guy. Yeah, I did not really disgusting do well with with bugs. Um, After the villain yells at him, um, some bugs and vermin start overtaking Mysterio, and he, and he starts screaming. All of a sudden, all the bugs are gone. Everything's back to normal. He's back in court, and he's just screaming in the middle of the court. So I guess all of that was in his head hmm. or some hallucination created by this villain. But now he complete insanity, so it's okay. Uh, and maybe the villain can't control bugs, but can do some weird mind stuff and apparently has the ability to resurrect the dead, as he did with Mysterio. Okay, back to the present. This mysterious villain makes reference to a deal. So it turns out that he didn't give him Mendelstrom. He didn't give Mendel those Sentinels for free. And uh, he proceeds to rip Mendel Strom to pieces and appears to kill him. Mm. Very gruesome scene.
1: Well, we know Mendel wasn't totally alive in the first place. Yeah, and I'm sure his
0: brainwaves right now are seeking a new cybernetic yeah. host.
1: They're going to live on the back of the head of the new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. Yes. <laughs>
0: And we're back with Peter and Spider-Man. They're running away. And Pete is trying to convince Spider-Man, you've got to turn around and fight these Tri-Sentinels. He doesn't want to because he he makes a good point, actually. He says, if I try and fight these Tri-Sentinels and get killed now, then that is going to stop me from saving all sorts of people in the future. (laughs) Like, for example, if I cure gingivitis. (laughs)
1: Well, Uh, gum disease is no joke.
0: Yeah, he he actually points it out. He says it can cause heart disease. Yeah. Because all the germs from your teeth can go down into your heart. That's true. Kids, floss, brush your teeth. There was one morning before school where I said to my mom, I'm in a rush. I can't brush my teeth. And she said, that's fine. Just uh, hope you don't mind all your teeth falling out. So I always brush my teeth. <laughs>
1: and you haven't lost one. Um,
0: There's an explosion, which throws Pete into that pile of rubble. And we can see this is how he ended up there earlier. So we're back in the present now. And Pete is saying to Spider-Man, why didn't you warn me? Spider-Man says, I turned off my spider sense. It was annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know he could do that.
0: That's what Peter says and Spider-Man says, you know, uh you can turn it off as long as you don't mind the occasional sharp blinding pain in your brain. So I guess he's uh he's suppressing it. So it gives him this headache. Mm. You know, from not using it. Um the next 3 pages are uh are are, are really funny and I recommend reading them. Uh, Because it all takes place right after, while Peter's lying on the ground, basically waiting to die, Spider-Man is distracted looking at him, and then Pete webs the genome accelerator, which happened to be nearby, and activates it, and it zaps the two of them, and a big blue ball of energy forms around them.
1: That's pretty impressive for someone who's half dead. Half
0: dead, doesn't have superpowers, isn't wearing his glasses. <laughs> what was the genome accelerator doing there? Well, he remember he had it set up there to zap Spider-Man oh, before right, all this right. went down. Uh, so I mentioned that these, these few pages here, as they're being zapped, there's some great exchanges between Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Here's one example from page 12. Peter says, oh, at least I get to go out trying to save somebody's life, even if it is kind of my own, I, I guess. Hopefully, Uncle Ben would be proud. And then Spider-Man says, Pete, why do you keep saying the name of a delicious brand of instant rice? <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, I made and that joke he goes, before.
0: You did. That's why I thought you were going to love that. Yeah. And you even said you can relate to the Spider-Man half of Peter Parker here. It's true. You're just like him. Yeah, he and I have a lot in common. And Spider-Man goes on. You know what? Doesn't matter. My point is, I will avenge your death. From now on, I am Peter-Man, protector of mediocre dudes who never really made anything of themselves everywhere.
1: (laughs) Uh, This this guy's a piece of work. Yeah. (laughs) But he's got great quips.
0: Great quips. Uh, It's actually funny. He makes a quip. And then Peter even comments uh, that he never realized how annoying it was to be on the receiving end of those quips.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I hope Peter learns a lesson out of this.
0: Well, we'll see. Because after that, boom, they recombined. Yes. And thus ends the split of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Good. And then... I mean, they've still got a bunch of tri to worry about. Yeah. So, Spider-Man, now also Peter Parker, gets back on his tri and he hacks the network and takes over all the rest of them. Boom. Crisis averted. That was fast. Well, they were all on the same network, and they've already hacked one, so it's just a matter. It's, it's just like Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. The hack to stop the aliens.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Here's a question. Yeah. Do you think Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, you know, before they got split, do you think he could have done that? Or is it only because they got split, Peter, and then the Spider-Man version went and learned how to, like, mess with the wiring and all that. Is that why they were then able to do this once they recombined? Well, I think
0: that even before they split, Spider Man slash Peter Parker had the scientific knowledge and wherewithal to figure out that he could do this. Mm. But th- would he have had the But gusto? maybe the sense of responsibility would have made him too risk averse to try doing
1: it. Yeah. Well that's what I'm getting at is I hope that the time they spent split maybe gave gave Spider Man slash Peter Parker some insight about himself and then Maybe he can walk away from this a little bit more powerful than he was before. More powerful and maybe not so uptight all the time. Exactly. Loosen up a little bit. Yeah. Have
0: a little fun. Spider-Man even says that to him. Uh, So now with his his army of Tri-Sentinels under control, Spider-Man heads to the Life Foundation hideout. And he finds Mendel Strom there where right now he's just a head on the ground with some wiring sticking out, barely alive. And with his dying words, he says, Guess my name. Guess my... And he does. Then all the Tri-Sentinels start saying that. Guess my name. Guess my name. And then they all launch headfirst into the building. Spider-Man jumps out just in time. The whole building blows up. Destroying the hideout, the tri-sentinels, and Mendel Strom. What? What's going on here? Guess my name. It's a message from the mysterious villain. He's controlling this whole thing. Oh, so we still don't really know who's, who's doing all this. Yeah, that vermin guy. We don't know who that is. But he said he knows Pete better than he knows himself. He Hmm. And now I I believe he's the one who put that message in Mendel Strom's mouth. Guess my name. So I wonder if he is some figure from Pete's past. Uh, Chickens Hmm. are coming home to roost. Uncle Ben. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa, that would be... Well, you're not... I mean, that wouldn't be so crazy. There was a Superman story recently where his father, Jor-El, who we all thought died on Krypton, came back, and I think he was a sort of villain figure. So this they could be going the same mm. route here. If the,
1: That would be pretty disturbing.
0: It would be, and I hope they don't go that route, or if they do, that it's not the original Uncle Ben, it's Uncle Ben from like another dimension or something.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't want them to they kind of sour my feelings about him. Yeah.
0: And he would, it's his whole origin story. So I don't think they're doing that. I mean, we have no reason to think that besides you just said it right now. I almost got angry at you when you said it. (laughs) Don't say that about Uncle Ben. Don't sully his name. Later on, we see Pete and MJ hanging out on the couch. Pete is clearly distracted trying to figure out who killed Strom and why did he say those words? MJ essentially tells him, Worry about that stuff tomorrow. Tonight, you're all mine, Tiger. Then they kiss. Very nice scene. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I bet she's excited to have the full man back. Yeah. The, the man she loved,
0: not half the man. That pathetic worm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> uh
0: remember Black Ant and the Taskmaster? Yeah. Taskmaster, I remember he he has the coolest power. Yeah, he the two of them were trying to steal the genome accelerator a few issues back. Oh yeah, right right now they're in uh, police interrogation with Garrett Stone from the Department of Homeland Security, Metahuman and Advanced Technology Division. Do you think that's a real thing? Mm, I doubt it. You don't think that the homeland that the government has some department that's there just in case there's any of this superhuman stuff, aliens attack. Don't you think we have to have some advanced weaponry that's designed for I mean, what if the metahuman thing that we've been hearing about all this all these years really comes to fruition?
1: Hmm. I think I think they can't even run the DMV well. I don't know why they would I don't think that they would be prepared enough for something like that. Although I do know, I know they have contingency plans prepared in case of alien invasions and things like that. And uh, they do have networks for the continuance of the the government, even in an apocalyptic scenario, like these systems of bunkers around the country. Uh, But I don't think they've prepared specifically for if like humans start mutating and getting advanced abilities. I think you're wrong, but we'll have to just agree to disagree on this one. Oh, man, I I thought you were going to say you're wrong, and let me tell you about it, because that would have been awesome.
0: Just this morning, the New York Times released an expose on what's being called the Spider-Man Initiative. (laughs) I read an article when I was a kid, about 15 years ago, that somebody invented a glove that essentially replicated Spider-Man's ability. It was so sticky, you could stick to the side of a building. And I got so excited thinking, it's happening. I can be
1: Spider-Man. But I never heard about that technology again. I think I remember that. They were talking about how it uses um, like the same stuff that a gecko's hand is made of. Yeah. Yeah, and then the closest thing we have to it now is like these giant suction cups.
0: <laughs> right. I read that and I was like, the news is awesome. I'm going to read the news all the time. (laughs) And then I realized that it's not all about that. Yeah. Well, the taskmaster says, we weren't after no damn genome accelerator. That wasn't our job. Guy that hired us. Cut to the guy in the jungle that shot the elephant. Ah. He plays a different kind of game. They're not talking about the guy in the jungle, because he says... Please, please, I was just looking for a little adventure, you know? Something to brag about to the guys back at the firm. You don't know how it is in the finance sector. Very competitive. And then someone off panel says, Ah, oh, yes, the struggle to survive amidst predators of all kinds. I understand it better than you can possibly imagine. After all, cut to Craven the Hunter saying, Ooh. I am a hunter. You called it. I was right. Yeah. And I know what listeners are thinking. You made that prediction weeks after this issue came out, but I'm giving you my word. I did not read ahead. That was purely based on my ability to get into the mind of Nick Spencer, the writer of Spider-Man. I believe you. And it says next, Craven is coming. Hmm. What does Craven want? Well, he is one of these guys. Actually, he's very similar to another Russian that we read about recently, the Beast. Oh yeah. From uh, Batman, where he just likes to remember how the Beast and Batman, he'll bring people to his private island so he can just hunt them for fun. Mm-hmm. Craven the Hunter is similar in that he wants to hunt the the worst. You know, animal he can find, which is Spider Man. And he is one of these hunters. He doesn't believe in weapons. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Spider Man is a worse animal than that vermin dude. Well, he doesn't know about the vermin dude. Spider Man should just tell him about that. Be like, look, you want a challenge? You want to hunt something disgusting? Go after the vermin guy.
0: (laughs) The, The problem is at this point, it's become personal. Because there's been this back and forth between Craven and Spider Man for years. So he's got to take down Spider Man. Uh, let me tell you a little bit more about Craven just so you can, just to whet your appetite yeah. for what's coming. So he doesn't use the typical tools of the trade, he doesn't even use a bow. He wants to kill animals with his bare hands. And if you saw a picture of him, you would say, oh, yeah, he looks maybe about 30, he's 70. Because wow. he drinks a potion that he got from a voodoo witch doctor named Calypso, that's made of herbal po- uh, herbal stuff, which gives him physical powers, the strength, speed, and senses to match a jungle cat, and prevents him from aging too much. Is that what makes him villainous too? What makes him villainous is just that he's he just is villainous. He's okay. obsessed with with fighting,
1: with just just he wants to be a hunter, sit his blood, right. Well, because oftentimes the story we see with villains is that the thing that gave them the power is also what made them evil. That's but true. It seems like but... this guy was evil beforehand. Exactly. He, he
0: grew up in Russia, and then he found employment in Kenya, Africa. Hmm. And while there, he discovered the joy of the hunt. <laughs> a nut
1: job! <laughs> it's a nut job. Get <laughs> <laughs> a normal hobby.
0: Uh, it feels good to be right I think that's a good note to end on I'm Gil and I read comics